So it's not all about the gifts under the tree. Thank God that we can do that. We can bless one another and give each other gifts that represent, you know, that we love them and we appreciate them. But maybe you can't give all the gifts you'd like to give this year. And I think this is just a good reminder for us to just be flat grateful for life. Grateful for health. Grateful for our family. Grateful for food. Are you glad you had shoes to wear today? I love that little sin, him running out there. How about Jehovah Java? How many of you had that this morning? Some coffee. I liked how he had to poke a hole in that. That was even a gift from God. A cup of coffee in the morning. So if we look around us, I think that we'll all be uh, discover that it really isn't about things. All the gifts under the Christmas tree are temporal. They're temporary. None of them are, are eternal. They're not going to last forever. You may have had this experience like we did when our boys were little. You know, I'd go out and shop and think I'd find all the best gifts. And they usually liked them. But sometimes I'd buy them a gift wrapped up in a great big boy, a bow. They'd take the toy out, throw it away, and start playing with the box. And you're like, really? These things happen. But the most important thing that we can give our family And give each other, this time of year, give each other love. Just be there. Be present with your family. Give them your attention. Give them your time. As I was preparing this message, I found a a note that James, our, our second son, had written to us a couple of Christmas ago. If you've been coming here very long, you know that he was our challenge. Our son, our second son, we had some very challenging years with him. But thank God, today, he is a man of God. He's on a staff at a beautiful church in in Branson, Missouri, there with Brother Keith Moore. He was out here, I think it was in August, and and preached a wonderful sermon here at Heart in the Bay. Has a beautiful wife, lovely, most importantly, beautiful granddaughter for us, sweet little Eden. So God turned his life around. And I'm thankful, so thankful, and I'm just overjoyed to the fact that he gets it. You know, you might have a child, or they could be an adult child right now, and you're like, man, they're not very grateful. They don't understand the sacrifices that we made all of our life for them. And, you know, I just wish that they would get it. So I want to read you something by way of I believe this will give you hope if you're in that situation. If you're not, I know you'll rejoice with us for victory in that area. So this was a Christmas 2016. Merry Christmas, Mom and Dad. I've gotten a lot of awesome presents from you through the years. Bikes, Ninja Turtles, wrestling men. Oh, he loved those little wrestling men, and etc. But looking back... The thing that blesses me the most is your faithful and unwavering love given to me every Christmas and every day. Short but sweet. He gets it. And he's thankful now. So I just wanted to read that to encourage you that perhaps you're going through a situation with one of your loved ones. Jesus will touch their heart. Jesus will change their life forever. And James said the greatest gift we ever gave him was unwavering love. And that reminded me right away that of the best gift that we have ever received, received as children of God. 
So today the title of my message is Unwrapping His Gifts. The gift that Jesus came to give. The greatest gift ever given. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called, read this with me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Don't you love that? Unto us a child is given. Jesus humbled himself. Am I getting a... The ring here. I'm good. Anyway, Jesus humbled himself and became a baby born in a lowly manger. But we know he didn't stay a baby. He grew up and he became what this verse says, mighty God, glorious redeemer, wonderful Lord. But you know, there's too many people that still see him as a lowly, helpless little baby. There are people that put out nativity scenes and they're not even believers. And they see Jesus as, oh, cute little baby. But he's not a baby anymore. I have a funny story to tell you. We have three granddaughters. Our oldest one is Olivia. We call her Livy. And uh, when she was three years old, she was going through kind of a, a rough time. She didn't want to sleep in her room at night by herself. So she kept waking up during the night, coming into her parents' room and crying and saying that she was afraid. And she couldn't get it. She said, I don't get How come you guys, I have to sleep in that room by myself and you guys get to sleep together. You know, she's kind of like, I want somebody in here with me. So they started telling her, now Livy, you don't have to be afraid. You can't see him, but Jesus is with you. You are not alone. So they're trying to get this over to her. They're teaching her, Jesus is with you. Well, a little while after that was Thanksgiving. They came to our house and they were getting ready to leave. And I thought, oh man, before they leave, I want to get out my nativity scene. So it's kind of big. I got it out and Liv, come here and help Grammy. So we're going through all of the little characters in, in the nativity scene. You know, the angels and the shepherds and the wise men, and Mary and Joseph. And then we get to baby Jesus. And I put him in her hand and I said, this is baby Jesus. And he was born in this manger. That's why all these animals around. And, you know, to explain that to her. She kept saying to me, she's holding it, looking at it. He's a baby. Baby Jesus? Yes, honey. He came as a baby. Now put him in the manger. Little baby Jesus in the manger. So a couple of nights later, they left right away. And a couple of nights later, John calls me and he's like, thanks a lot, Mom. I'm like, What? He said, man, he said, we were really working on, you know, Liv not being afraid at night and telling her Jesus was with her. So he said, last night she woke up, came in our room. I picked her up and I said, now, honey, remember, you don't have to be afraid. Jesus is with you. She looks at him and she says, yeah, dad, but what good is that? She said, Grammy said he's a baby now. (laughs) So she's like, he can't help me anymore. He's just a baby. I'm bigger than he is. And I was kind of like, well, sorry, John, you were in a hurry. I didn't have time to give her the whole salvation plan. 
But too many people still see him as a little lowly baby in a manger. But that's not who he is. He came that way, but he didn't stay that way. He grew up. He died for us. He rose from us. And he has gifts to give us, every single person. And so we're going to unwrap three of those gifts this morning. The greatest gift ever given by our Lord Jesus is eternal life. <laughs> I think everybody in here is probably familiar with this passage, but let me just read it. Y'all, why don't you read it with me? John three 16. Let's read this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does that just bless you? This verse should never get old to us. This is the premise of Christianity. This is letting us know that God gave us His very best. The greatest gift ever given was the Lord Jesus to mankind. God gave and Jesus so loved that He came. The gift of salvation is a free gift. I'm thankful. It's not dependent upon my works. It's not dependent upon my social status. It's not dependent upon my family name. For by grace, anybody else happy about grace? For by grace are you saved through God. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If it was about our works, can you imagine the list that some people would make? Well, I did this and this and this and this this week. What did you do? I visited this person and I gave here and I gave that. What did you do? Trying to be, you know, earn salvation. But it's not that way. It is a free gift. Does anybody else like free? I like free gifts. <coughs> I was shopping the other day and uh, I bought this jacket. Isn't it nice? Like my little jacket? Anyhow. And I start to leave the store and the lady goes, oh, wait, you get a free necklace. I'm like, I do. I shopped there a lot. I think they just really like me. No, it was a promotion, but <clears throat> it was very pretty. And I was excited. I was happy. It had a tag on there for, you know, it was like $30 or something. And I got it free. Well, we all like free <coughs> gifts and that's wonderful. But there's nothing as great as the free gift of salvation. And this gift of salvation is not for a select few. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you a whosoever? Yes. If you're a human being and you're born in this earth, you qualify for the free gift of salvation. And if you're here today and you've not yet declared Jesus as Lord, we're going to give you that opportunity. No one in this place is going to leave today without the free gift of salvation in their lives. And this life that he came to give us, it's not the kind of life that, when I say life that we're talking about, we, this life is everlasting life. This life is the abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10 in the Amplified, this explains to us 
the God kind of lies. The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he does. He's not good. The devil's not a good devil, but he is good at being a devil. And that's what he comes. Anybody ever experienced that? That he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But the verse doesn't end there. But then Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. And I like this in the Amplified. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's good news. God wants us to have overflowing life. This word life there literally means zoe. The kind of life as God has it. How do you think God has it? Do you think it's good in heaven? Do you think God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all the saints, all your loved ones, they're enjoying life in heaven. They're enjoying Zoe. But he said, I've come to this earth that you could enjoy my kind of life right here, right now. That's why I came. And it's a free gift. He came that we might have abundant life, not redundant life. Jesus doesn't want you having a dull, boring, you know, horrible kind of life. When we're hooked up with Him, there ought to be joy in our life. It's not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be awesome. But when you have Him on the inside of you, there ought to always be an enjoyment to life. You ought to enjoy being a Christian. Do you all enjoy coming to church and worshiping the Lord? Are you enjoying your family? That's God's intent. He wants us to have and enjoy life and enjoy our family around us. Amen. Everybody say, I'm going to. Live life to the full till it overflows in Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And then the second gift that we want to talk about, about unwrapping today, is peace. Now we read there in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 that one of his names said he's mighty God, everlasting Father, his counselor, and what else? He's the Prince of Peace. You may be in here today and you need some peace. Well, one of Jesus' very names is the Prince of Peace. He's the author of it. Hallelujah. So not only did this verse call him the Prince of Peace, but after Jesus came and he was walked on the earth and he fulfilled his ministry and his destiny of what his father sent him here to do. And he's getting ready to die on the cross, be raised again and ascend to his father. And he's given his disciples some last minute instructions. Just think about how their hearts could be troubled because he's telling them he's going to go away. But then he says to them in John chapter 14, verse 27 in the Amplified, he says, my peace, my peace, I'm going to leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And this is real important here. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Now, I really like this part. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful. 
and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Isn't that something? He's reminding him, first of all, I've given you peace. It's yours. But then he's really saying, now it's up to you to choose that peace. He said, the understood subject of that phrase, stop, is you stop allowing yourself to be agitated. In the first service, I really didn't ask for a show of hands, but I just said, anybody had any opportunities this week to be agitated? And people were raising both hands and waving them at me. By virtue of living in this world and just dealing with people, there's ample opportunity to be agitated. Maybe with the person at the mall. Maybe the person that cuts you off in traffic. Maybe the person, the, the clerk at the grocery store. Perhaps your family. You could be tempted to be agitated with your family this time of year. You're like, seriously? I do, is anybody going to help me decorate this tree? I can't believe it. Is anybody going to get in here and help me at least wash the dishes? Or come on now, you know, can't you just at least wrap a gift for grandma? Do something. You know, we can find ourselves in these situations where all of a sudden we're looking at people and they're agitating us and we're getting disturbed. But this verse says you need to stop allowing yourself to be agitated. So what do we do instead? We choose peace. How do you choose peace? Well, let me give you some keys to staying in peace, particularly during the holiday season. Number one, don't set unrealistic expectations. Setting unrealistic expectations always bring disappointment. Now, I'm sure a lot of you ladies in here, and some of you men, but you probably wouldn't admit it, like to watch Hallmark movies during the holiday season. I have a few recorded on my uh, DVR as we speak. And pastor, he's like, oh, really? Another one? I'm like, let me just be happy. They have happy endings. And you know what he said the other night after I watched one? He goes, oh man, just once. I wish they'd have a bad ending. <laughs> Trying to ruin my happy ending. And all the ladies went, boo. Like, really? He said, just once. Maybe the guy won't get the girl. And they won't hold hands and sing around the Christmas tree in the fake snow. Just once. Or change the plot. Yeah, the characters change. The plot pretty much remains the same. He can watch like two minutes and go, well, she's going to end up with him. And, you know. <laughs> but we like happy endings. I do. But the reality is Hallmark movies are just that. They're not real. And your family is not going to act like the characters in the Hallmark movie. Life doesn't always have... A happy ending, unfortunately. Not everything is going to be perfect in your life or in your holidays. The cookies may be burnt. The turkey might be dry. Everybody may not love the gifts that you spend hours, now you can do it online, buying it online. It's not going to be perfect. I remember as the boys got to be teenagers and I used to buy them 
matching sweaters and cute little outfits. And I, oh man, I look at some of the pictures now. Pastor Nancy did the same with her three boys. I look at some of the pictures now and I'm like, ooh, I'm glad they don't hate me. Those are some bad little outfits. Somebody just sent me one the other day of James. It was at Easter and I had him in little shorts and a blue little jacket. And he, I sent it to him and he sent me back and he said, why did you make me look Swedish? <laughs> But they're not always going to love every gift that you buy, particularly when they're teenagers. I knew, I knew my day of picking out their clothes was over one year when I bought all the matching sweaters and they held them up and they were like, seriously, mom, you really think we're going to wear this? And I'm like, okay, gift cards from now on when it comes to clothes. So anyway, it's not going to be perfect. We had an experience one year. We used to always go to the Christmas tree lot and I'd be real nice to the people and buy a new Christmas tree stand every year just so they'd put it on there for us and make sure it was straight and all of that. Well, one year they were having a a fundraiser at the boys' school, so I wanted to be supportive, went and bought the tree there, and they wouldn't put the Christmas tree stand on for me. I'm like, oh, man. So we get it home, and really, the whole, it was a family project, all of us. We're trying to get this tree into the stand and get it straight, and it was curving this way and leaning that way. And wow, after a while, we just gave up and went ahead and decorated the tree. Well, that night, during the middle of the night, like 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, I hear, <laughs> the tree fell under the power. <laughs> Ornaments were broken. Lights were ruined. It was a mess. And I was so upset. My peace was disturbed and agitated for just a little bit. But you know what? Now to this day, that's the only Christmas tree that the boys remember, the one that fell under the power. We created a memory. So you have a choice when these things happen. You can either laugh. You know, I had to finally take some twine, wrap it around the top of that tree and put a big nail in the wall and nail that sucker to the tree, to the wall, so it stays standing up. Not really a very pretty Christmas tree that year, but it was a memory. Don't let these things destroy your Christmas. Just learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to laugh at these things. And I'm, I guarantee you, based on that, someday you will laugh and it will be a memory. We can stay in peace regardless of the lack of perfection. Peace is a choice. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 out of the Amplified even says this a little bit clearer here. And let the peace, soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. In that peaceful state to which as members of Christ, one body, you were also called to live. And be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. We just read where Jesus said, you Let the peace of God rule in your heart. I'm giving it to you. This reiterates it again. The subject of this whole thing is you let the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts. There'll be setups of the devil 
There'll be people that push your button. You know, the enemy doesn't know everything and we're not here to glorify him, but he watches your life and he knows what triggers you getting ah in the flesh. He knows what button to push to cause you to lose your temper or to lose your joy. Don't let him push your buttons. Don't let people steal your joy. Thoughts will come. That's another thing that will come and try to disturb your peace. The battle to stay in peace is in our mind. Look what it said there. He said, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. All questions that arise in your mind. Have you ever had something happen in your life that you didn't understand? Have you ever had a question and you wanted to say, why? 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 Why did my precious loved one die so young? Why did I lose that job? Why are my kids rebellion, rebelling right now? I've had ample opportunity just like you have. My mother, when I was 21 years old, my mom died. She was 51. Ten years later, my dad died at 61. And I was tempted to say, God, why? I mean, I did for a minute. God, why? These were godly people. I loved you with all of their heart. But I had to say, okay, I'm not going to live in the land of why. I was already making plans to attend Raymond. and I almost didn't go because I'm thinking, I preached health and healing to my mom. She should have been healed. So there's no point in going to a school that believes in faith and healing. Why, God? Why? But I remember one day laying across my bed. I was 21 years old. And I said, Lord, I don't understand. I'm not going to pretend to understand. But one thing I do know, you're good. You love me. You're faithful. Another thing I know, I know where my mother is. She may not be with me present in body, but I know where she is. She can't come to me, but I'm going to serve you with all of my heart and go to her. And I know that we have eternity to spend together. Did you know that this life is the shortest thing you'll ever do? Compared to eternity, if you live to be 120 years, that's nothing. you got eternity to be with that loved one, to be with that relative. Don't go down that path of why, why, why. But look up and say, who, 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 Lord, you are my strength. You are my peace. You are my everything. I know in whom I have believed. And I'm going to trust you with all of my heart, all my days. And I'm going to acknowledge you in all of my ways. That's where you'll stay in peace. That's letting the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. If you go the other direction, it's going to just lead to worry. It's going to lead to disappointment. It's going to lead to despair and discouragement. And that doesn't do any good. I'd rather stay on the happy side of life and put my faith and my trust in Him. Hallelujah. 
How about you? In this verse, it said, let peace act as an umpire. What does an umpire do? He gives signals at the game. I go to baseball games. We had two sons. I spent a lot of time there, but honestly, I went for the nachos and the hot dogs. Every once in a while, I'd pay attention. But I know this much. I know when the umpire does that, what does it mean? They're out. If he does that, it means you're safe. You ought to get that picture in your mind. And when these thoughts come that lead you down that path of depression and despair, you ought to go, out! Let's practice it together. You're out of here. You're out of here. That thought's not producing peace, so let's do it again. Out of here. That's how you let peace act as an umpire in your heart. Settling with finality what's allowed and what's out. And if it's not peaceable, if it's not pure, don't let it in. Who's going to rule in your heart and in your mind? You are. Peace rules, but you get on the side of peace. Amen? And then I like that last part there of Colossians chapter 3. It said in the Amplified, and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. That's why I like that little video clip that we showed in the beginning. Be thankful. Be appreciative. That's a key to staying in peace. You know one thing that will get you out of peace is not being thankful. And you know what happens when we're not thankful? We start looking at everybody else's life. We get in this comparison trap. The Bible says he that compares himself with one another is not wise. Because God didn't create us all the same. Your life isn't going to look like my life. God didn't create a bunch of robots and we're all going to live on the same block and have the same car and, you know, do the same thing. No, look around the room. He's into variety. He's into uniqueness. That's why he created us all so different. But every single one of us are special. Every single one of us, he's got an amazing plan for our lives. We can't live for our purpose that he has designed us for if we're looking at somebody else's life. If we're looking at Pastor Mark and say, oh, I wished I had his life. I wished I had this. I wished I had that. You're going to miss out on the grace for your life. Stay in peace. Be thankful for your life. Be appreciative for your family. They might be acting like demon children right now. Your family tree might look like it's just full of nuts, fruits, and flakes. But praise God anyway. And believe that God's going to turn it around. And God's going to restore. Hallelujah. That's how you stay in peace. And don't be so concerned about what other people might be saying even about your life. Other people's head is not a good place for you to get peace. Live out of your heart. Let peace rule and reign in your hearts and in your minds. Hallelujah. And then Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 it says, You will keep him in perfect peace. I like that. Perfect peace. 
whose mind is stayed on you. Are you getting a picture? We got to do something with our mind to stay in peace. Because he trusts in you. Those words there, perfect peace, literally mean peace, peace. As strong as you can get. A double piece there. And it literally hooks up with shalom. Shalom means nothing missing. Nothing broken. Receiving and staying in peace. Peace will cause the shalom of God to rule in your life. Health, happiness, well-being. Nothing missing. Is that what you want? Then stay in peace. What a precious, precious gift. And then we're going to spend the remainder of our time on the third gift, joy. joy. Unwrapping the gift of joy. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. You know, they didn't put up there how, I don't know what time I started, but I'm not done, so whatever. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I'm glad that it didn't say, I bring unto you good tidings for the Jewish people. It didn't say that. I bring unto you good tidings for those that are wealthy and those that came from this lineage. No, it's good tidings. It's great joy for who? All people. Everybody say all. And then say this, all, all. means me. Hallelujah. Great joy for all people. Recently, I just someone gave me a card, and I really didn't know the background of this wonderful Christmas carol that we sing, Joy to the World. I knew it was written a long time ago, but it was actually written in 1719 by a, a young man by the name of Isaac Watts. Let me just give you a few of the refrains. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Did you hear that? Let earth, there it is again, all people, free gift of salvation. Jesus came. To the whole world. Let earth receive her king. And then let every heart prepare him room. It's for everyone. Salvation. The Bible talks about Jesus stands at the door of our heart and knocks. I heard a minister say, and I thought, you know, that's good. He said, the thing is, the doorknob is on the inside. We have to open the door and let him in. Let every heart prepare him room. Give him place. Giving Jesus place in our lives. First place in our life will help us tap into the joy of the season. 
Jesus is the reason for the season, isn't he? How about the joy of your salvation? Are you still enjoying it? Hallelujah. We know in the kingdom of God, it's not about meat and drink. It's not about temporal things. The Bible says that in Romans 14, 17. But it says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I know how busy this time of year can be. I know how busy life can be. But if you want to stay in joy, you're going to have to stay in His presence. Not so concerned about how many presents are under the tree. But is His presence going to be manifest in your home and in your family's lives? We know the Bible says in Psalm 16, in His presence is fullness of joy. You're not going to have joy this Christmas season if you don't have His presence in your life. It just takes a few minutes just stepping out of the busyness, stepping out of the traffic of life and just honoring Him, saying, Jesus, I know I got, I got a busy schedule today, but I'm going to give you first place. I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to get in your presence and let your peace and your presence be upon all that I have to do today. Things happen in life that will cause us to lose our joy. But I like what the psalmist David said over in Psalms 51 in verse 12. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore unto me the joy and uphold me by your generous spirit. Spirit. We've already talked about it, but God was generous. He is generous. He gave us heaven's best. Jesus manifest generosity to the point of stretching out his arms and dying on a cross for us. Can't get any more generous than that. And I want to encourage you this Christmas season, if you want the joy of your salvation to be restored, look for ways to be generous. Look for ways to be a blessing to people. There are people that are hurting around us. We all know that. Open up your heart and be a blessing. Find someone that you can just love on. If you have extra funds, go get a, a tag off of the Christmas tree for others. There's no greater joy than getting out of our own little world and reaching out and touching someone else. There's hurting, dying, sighing humanity all around us. And you don't have to have a lot of money to be a blessing. Sometimes a smile, just doing some little generous thing for people will lift them up and encourage them. Maybe baking them cookies. Don't burn them, though. Do your best not to burn them. Just showing an act of love and kindness. When I think about being generous, I think about my parents. You know, I already said that they both died young, but even at dying young, they stamped their five kids with loving Jesus. It was branded in our hearts to love Jesus, to serve Him, 
with joy and gladness. That was one of my dad's favorite scriptures. He'd get up on Sunday morning and say, Okay, it's time to go serve the Lord with joy and gladness. He was song leader in our church. I didn't get that gift from him. But he'd get up there with his big hands and lead us out of the hymnals in singing. I'm ignoring that. But anyway... But really, I, I think about them so much, particularly around the holidays. Because I, I was really, I was a tomboy. I have two older sisters, two younger brothers. I was right in the middle. But I preferred to hang out outside with my dad than to be in the kitchen at that point. So I would tag along with him. And I still remember. We'd go, we had 160 acres on our farm and we had a lot of trees. He'd get his chainsaw. We'd drive out there, and he'd start cutting down trees, chopping them into little sizes for fireplace. I'd say, Daddy, what are we going to do with all this wood? He said, well, you remember Mrs. So-and-so? Her husband died last year. Or you remember, you know, the other neighbor on the other side? He's been in the hospital. I'm sure he isn't able to go cut wood. He'd fill his pickup with wood. And then we'd stop by the house. And my mom had spent hours in her kitchen. Baking cookies and fudge with love and wrapping them up in little saran wrap things, tying a little bow on them. And they'd say, she'd say, take these with you. And I had the experience of seeing the joy on people's faces when he'd start unloading that wood, hand him those homemade treats. And that's branded in me. The joy of generosity is not just a slogan that we're using for a campaign. It's reality. It's life as God intended for us to live. Living the generous life. They did not have any kind of abundant money in our household. They had five kids. He was a farmer. But they found ways to be generous and to be a blessing. And I want to encourage all of us to do the same this year. You'll not experience any greater joy other than when you receive Jesus than when you give love away. Give of your time. Give of yourself to your family and those around you. And yes, even give your very best offering this Christmas season. Be generous in every single area. And I promise you, according to the word, you're going to experience great, great joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.